truth of the verse we're going to look at in a moment. As the story goes, here's what it is. There's actually, they say, five versions of this that appear in Greek literature. But a rabbi one day asked his servant to go buy some good food for him in the market. Well, when the servant returned home, he presented the rabbi with a tongue. Well, that's what he considered good. Now, uh, the, uh, the rabbi wasn't real happy, but he didn't say anything. The next day, the rabbi told the servant, go to the market and buy some bad food. And again, the servant returned with tongue. And when the rabbi asked the servant why he returned with a tongue both times, the servant made this observation. Good comes from it, and bad comes from it. When the tongue is good, there's nothing better, and when it's bad, there's nothing worse. How true. How true. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21 remind us of the truth that we began looking at about three years ago in August. Uh, no, we've had a number of weeks now where we've either had revival or, or we were away or other things like that. But uh, a while back, we began looking at Pro uh, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. It's very good or it's very bad. And, uh, and so true uh, that statement is. 179 times you find some form of these words, mouth, lips, words, tongue. As we said and shared with you back at the beginning, if you add the word speech, if you add the word tailbearer, it takes you well over 200. And there are other words and there are other verses that don't use uh, the word, uh, one of those words, but are still talking about our conversation. And God reminds us in this passage that how we use our tongue is an important thing because it can indeed affect a life, both positively and negatively. It can mean the matter of life. It can mean the matter of death. And, um, and so we're in part two. You notice that if you look at the last part of the introductory stuff before we get to the outline, it's part two now. Uh, we began by looking at part one, and we talked about in part one the power of the tongue. Do you remember that? The power of your words. Uh, we uh, learned about the power of words heard. We learned the power of words spoken. And then as well, a very different kind of look, but the power of words restrained or kept back or not spoken. You know, sometimes you speak multitudes of words by saying nothing at all. By the way, have you ever done that? You just didn't say anything at all. And they knew exactly what you were saying by saying nothing at all. And so sometimes restraining your tongue is a very powerful thing. Powerful words are powerful when heard, when spoken properly and wisely, and then even when kept back at times. Now, today, a part two, or this evening, as we begin into this study, is going to lead us to negative references in regard to the tongue. You say, well, we don't want to do that. We don't want to look at negative references, but, but we need to. We need to understand the wrong kind of speech, and we need to understand that there are clearly some things that God condemns, and Proverbs is very good at helping us understand what those things are. Now, we could make a very, with 200 verses, let me tell you, we could make a very long list of both negative and positive. I'm looking forward to getting to the positive, all right? But 
I also am looking forward to our opportunity to look at some of these things that are negative that God says need to go in our conversation. Because, again, they're very helpful to us and it's important for us to know that these things can destroy lives. And how important it is then to understand the wrong kind of conversation so we can do that which is right. And they are part of the whole counsel of God. So, you'll see the words Proverbs for life and then you see the and there's a blank space tongue. Well, you could just say we're talking about the tongue. I know that. But in between, if you want to put the word perverse, perverse. Or if you want to put bad, that's fine, okay? But the, the perverse tongue is talked about often in, uh, in Scripture. We want to see what God has to get a full picture of this. And so we're going to just give you four different kinds. Again, we can make a longer list. We can look at individual. There's probably individual verses, one verse or two uh, that may deal with different kinds, but we're going to kind of try to tie uh, a number of them together, and let's look first of all at what we'll call the froward tongue, all right? The froward tongue. Say, that may sound a little bit strange, but actually 23 times in the, in the book of Proverbs itself, you'll find uh, the words either perverse or froward, which are very close in meaning and in understanding. So if you see the word perverse, if you see the word froward, there actually are, I want to say, three or different, four different words in the Hebrew uh, that actually are translated perverse or froward. They are all very close in meaning. And so we're not going to try to delineate each one or... <laughs> Goodness, we'll never get this study done, all right? But uh, let's just uh, share with you basically the two ways that these words are used. Uh, look at, in fact, let's just do this. I told you Proverbs 6, didn't I? So go back to Proverbs chapter 2, if you would. Proverbs chapter 2. We'll start there. The two words, perverse and froward, in the book of Proverbs uh, though they are different words, meaning basically the same thing, uh, they're used in two different ways. Pretty much, when you see the word for, pro word, I knew I was going to have trouble, fro word and perverse. You try to say those a number of times together and you start getting the F and the P, you know, mixed up and put in different places. So it really becomes strange. Hopefully it won't become too strange tonight. But... Uh, when you look at these two, it, it basically is dealing with either bad people or bad speech, bad words, one or the other. So if you want to do a study of this, you actually would find in these 23 times a number of things about your conduct, your action, and then you'll find also a number of things about your words. And I would encourage you to do such a study because it will be a valuable help. And in fact, the reason I had to turn back to chapter 2 is because we find... Uh, in verse 12, that, uh, uh, that uh, excuse, when wisdom enters into your heart, we learn in verse 10, it's, it will deliver you from the way of the evil man, and then it will deliver you from the man that speaketh froward things. And so it's dealing with the matter of speech there. A few verses lay, wait, a few verses, there you go. Yeah, we're having trouble with our tongue tonight, Okay. Uh, but a few verses later, look at, this, uh, look at this, where he talks about the evil man. He says, whose ways are crooked, and they froward, same word, in their paths. 
And so we have this picture both of bad actions, bad words, and both need to go and shouldn't be part of your life. Now, let me give you an explanation or, or kind of a, a definition, however you want to put it. Uh, I just left this base blank, but you might write these words down because they describe the words froward and perverse. Crooked. Crooked. Distorted. Distorted or turned aside. So, when he's talking about our words, he's talking about words that are crooked, words that are distorted in language, or words that are turned aside. What is that all about? Well, if we want to kind of describe it, to explain it a little bit further, we'd say any language which is turned aside from what is right, decent, or good. So, some things we would, or one thing we would definitely say would be froward or perverse would be swear words. Okay, I, that's, that's kind of obvious. But I would say, as far as the New Testament is concerned, if we wanted a parallel passage, Ephesians 4.32 would be a great one to kind of picture this, where God says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. So he gives two different pictures in verse 32, or, or not 32, it's uh, 29 or 28. I have it written down here, so let me just take it, check it real quick. I know 32 is uh, be kind. 429, okay? Uh, but he gives two basic ideas here, all right? First, corrupt communication, and then good communication. Good communication edifies, it builds up, it helps to construct people. It's, it's, it's words that are positive. So then corrupt communication, uh, if we want to give the other side, would definitely be swear words, but far more than that. Any words which tear down, any words which destroy. And I think that would be a good way for us to understand froward. Any words that are crooked, they're not appropriate. They're out of the way. So, yes, swear words are part of that, but uh, words which tear down and destroy people would be froward words. Uh, or, they, or they would be perverse words. Anything that is turned aside from that which is right. Now, let's also say this. Not what society says is right, but what God says is right. And what God would explain in his word is right or correct. Uh, so, uh, any language which tears down, which destroys, which hurts, or which is vile, uh, which is, is bad, needs to go. What kind of words do you use? You know, none of us would like to admit we ever use froward language or perverse. Um, and hopefully you certainly don't have a problem with swearing, although some people do, and it comes out when they hit their, they hit their finger with a hammer or something to that effect uh, when they're under pressure. That shouldn't happen. But not only shouldn't swear words come out, words that tear people down and hurt people, they should go. Anything that's turned aside from that which God thinks is right. So then, as we're going to do with each one of these points, let me give you the exhortation that God wants you to have from this study. Look, if you would, in Proverbs 6. I'm sorry, we, I, I had you there originally, I think, or turned you there. The Bible says that a naughty person or a wicked man walketh with a froward mouth. So 
actually, the way you speak says something about your character, about your life, about your, your, the person, kind of person you are. And God says, I, you know, or God tells us there that's true. Uh, so I don't want to be in that list. I don't know about you. So we need to watch our tongue. So then the exhortation would be, here's real profound, all right? Hate it and stop it. Hate it and stop it. Now that I really impressed you with my great knowledge there, uh, although I think you already know that, let me share with you and show you some of the verses. Proverbs chapter 8. First thing in hating it and stopping it is understand this. Attitude is so important. Attitude is important in changing your speech. In chapter 8 and in verse 13, when God talks about the froward mouth, he says this, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now, you say, what's evil? What comes after this? So he says, pride, arrogancy, the evil way, and what's found in the list? You're all saying it. The froward mouth, okay? You're saying it, but it's all right if it comes out, all right? The froward mouth. And notice what Solomon wrote. He said, the fear of the Lord is to hate these things. So here's what we need to hate. So what did he say at the end of the verse? Do I hate? You know what God hates, I need to hate. The reason why I gave you the exhortation to hate it is because God does. And Solomon then said, hey, if God does, then I do. I don't want anything to do with this kind of speech. I don't want swear words to come out of my mouth. Um, I don't want my language to tear people down. Attitude is very important. Um, because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We become what we think. We, what comes out, by the way, of our mouth often is a reflection of what's on, on the heart. So if you do outwardly swear which you ought not do, or if your mouth tears people down, or if your mouth is, I think froward speech would include uh, tail-bearing, or being a gossip, because that tears people down, and many other ways, slander. These things, which are dealt with in the book of Proverbs as well, many of the different kinds of speech would fit in this matter of the froward time, and it ought not be part of your speech. You ought attitude uh, is important. Um, it seems like some people today don't really care what comes out of their mouth. Have you heard people conversing at times and it's like their word is a, either a swear word or something suggestive and, uh, and whether it's on TV or whether it's, uh, whether it's just conversations people have. And it used to be, I know I'm, I'm aging myself with this, that men did that all the time and, and it was kind of rare to hear ladies speak that way. Today, ladies have, have tongues that are just as disgusting and vile as men do. It's sad. It's because they, they haven't decided which one they are yet. Okay, thank you very much. 
further deals. All right. <clears throat> you know, I didn't want to have to get on that subject this evening, so let's move on. All right. So the exhortation is our attitude is, hey, I hate this. I hate hearing it and someone else, and I'm, I hate it in my own life, and I'm going to make sure it's not part of my life. Um, I, I, you know, one of the things that came to my mind, it's, it's terrible, um, but, uh, but uh, our last president had a lot of right positions, um, did a lot of good things for our country, and has a love for our country, which I'm very thankful for. He stood against a political monster that's been in charge in Washington for years, and they were so upset about it, they had to do everything they possibly could to get him out of office. And they didn't even win. They had to cheat to do it. Okay, that was all free. Didn't want to go that far, but that, that's the way it, that's, that's the truth. Now, while he was right in position, here's the truth. He had no rule over his tongue. And, um, and some people who were upset with him were upset with him over that fact. Now, look, you don't have to defend his perverse words. His words were pro-word. And they had no place in the public arena. They had no place in private arena either. And I wish he didn't do that. Uh, but he, while he took the right stance, let's be honest enough to say he didn't have control of his tongue. And it wasn't just that. It was uh, something about boasting, too, and other things that were a little bit, uh, were, were not a little bit, were problems and were serious sins. And I wish he had a heart that was set on changing his language. I found it offensive. Ever, any Christian should have and still should. God wants us to have the kind of heart that says, my Lord doesn't like it. I'm not going to like it. I'm going to do something about it. Then action is essential. Not only should we hate it, but we should do something about it. Look in um, uh, chapter 8 and, and verse 8. Because he talks about uh, the words of our mouth. And he says, all the words of, of my mouth are in righteousness. And then he says, there is nothing froward or perverse in them. So then... Our actions need to, to, to change. If we have the wrong kind of language, we need to, we need to change it. And you say, well, I don't know. I, I just, these things just come out. No, God tells you you can change. In fact, that's what he indicates there in Proverbs chapter 8. I've made the decision. The words of my mouth are going to be in righteousness, and I'm not going to allow the forward and perverse. But I like chapter 4 and verse 24 where this is uh, talked about. Because in Proverbs 4.23, where he tells you to keep your heart with all diligence, which, by the way, is going to have bearing on the froward and perversity that comes out, because if your heart is right and kept, it's going to keep the language and affect it. But notice the verse that follows it. Because he doesn't say this is just naturally going to happen. Just because even you're cleaning up your heart or you're keeping your heart with all diligence, there may be times when the wrong things come out. And so what does God tell you in verse 24? Put it away. Okay? Stop it. There you go. There's, the, there's that point. Stop it. And here's the encouraging thing. You can. Put it away. I, I love the way it's worded there because uh, the word put away 
means to turn off. Uh, so I, I've been thinking about it this way. Christians ought to turn off their crooked words like they turn off a faucet. Okay? So this is what's been coming forth. Let, let's shut it off. I've, I've got a leaky mouth. And, and so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna shut We're going to shut this thing off in whatever way we need to do it. Turn off the faucet. And you may struggle with words which hurt, but it's important to be reminded that change is possible. Wrong words don't have to be a part of your speech. You don't have to swear. You don't have to say things that destroy people. You can change the way you you talk. And uh, you've got to first become aware that your faucet is on and it's spewing out wrong words. Then you need to confess them as sin. And then you just need to, uh, to close, close the mouth and uh, replace them if you want to do anything at all with edifying words and words that build. And may we be people who do that. Second, uh, tongue. And we're not going to get very far in our study unless we do more than this, and we will seek to do that. But the lying tongue is next. The lying tongue. Chapter 6 and in verse 17 Actually, verse 16 tells us God, six things God hates, seven are an abomination to him. And what would one of those things be? Verse 17, the lying tongue, the lying tongue. Um, The first foray into the subject of the lying tongue tells us what God's attitude is about the lying tongue. Now, isn't that amazing? Because... Most people don't have problems with little white lies, do they? You know, well, I didn't really tell exactly the truth on this, but God says that his attitude toward this matter is hating it. Uh, let me give you that explanation. It's, it's a tongue that speaks untruth. Speaks untruth. It's really the best way to understand it. It's clearest definition. But it's also... You could put deceives, is false, or cheats. So it speaks untruth, deceives, is false, or cheats. All of those things can be tied into this lying tongue. It's to say things that aren't true. And what we will find if we... Actually, if we had time to really do a thorough study of lying, because it's found numerous times in Proverbs as well and throughout the Bible, is that lying has various ways of impacting people. Some people lie to deceive people. Some people lie to get away with something they have, uh, that, that they've done that is wrong. Some people lie to be allowed to do something they know they wouldn't be allowed to do if they told the truth. Like, I'm going to a party with my friends. Can I go? Rather than, I'm going to go with my good friend and we're going to go to the mall. Um, So lying is used in so many different ways. False witnesses. Someone who who lies about what they heard or what they they saw. Uh, Those who are present and have been present throughout biblical times, you'll see, well... Uh, Potiphar's wife was a liar. Um, Those who, uh, when Jesus Christ was on trial, uh, 
They were liars. False witnesses are found throughout the Old Testament. Um, when um, what Ahab was crying about the fact that Naboth wouldn't give him his, his piece of property, uh, they called in, Jezebel called in false witnesses to lie and say he blasphemed and he was killed. So uh, there's a lot of different ways it's presented in Scripture. Uh, some, again, people lie various ways and they have various reasons for it. But, um, but they're all, lies are all evil no matter what the goal is, no matter what the purpose is. There are no little white lies. They're all evil, wrong words, and we need to understand that. And Proverbs is clear. So then let's just give um, uh, the, the exhortation. Oh, by the way, those that hide hatred with lying lips, the Bible says in chapter 10 and verse 18, are signs of, of someone being a fool. So we don't want to be in that company, all right? So the exhortation is, here, profound again, change your ways. Change your ways. So let me share with you a couple ways to change your ways. Number one, understand God's thinking. Um, We read chapter 6 and verse 17, right? Where God hates it. In chapter 12 and verse 22, God says, again, in, in now when we are in the Proverbs, per se, the actual Proverbs says, lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. So change your ways. Understand God's thinking. Then develop right thinking. We already said this, but your attitude toward lying indicates your spiritual condition. To justify it is evil. To hate it, um, uh, to hate it though, to hate lying is a good thing. Look in chapter thirteen and verse five. A righteous man hates lying. But if you look in chapter thirteen and verse five, wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. And and the the idea is, uh, you know, he, he doesn't care what he does, but a righteous man. Hates it. Has nothing to do with it. Uh, righteous people, by the way, don't just avoid it. They don't just reject it. They hate it. Now, l- let me tell you, that's, that's, I think, where some of the problem lies with people. Where the problem lies with people lying. Okay. No pun intended. But that, that, is, the, that is the problem. Um, a lot of times... The issue is, is that if we don't have that attitude, if we don't hate it, if we don't have this attitude that says, I don't want anything to do with this, there's always going to be the temptation to use it. And because in our society, lying in many cases is acceptable, and, well, you know, if I told them the truth, that would cause greater problems. That's where self-justification comes in, and that's why it seems like from the Proverbs, God wants us to know we've really got to make sure and keep our attitude in check. And our attitude is not, there are maybe certain times when it's okay, and white lies are all right. We really need to have an attitude that says, this 
is wicked. And I want nothing to do with it. And I will not participate in it. I'm not going to allow others to get away with it. Lying is wrong. So you've got to change your attitude and your thinking in order to change this. Because if you see lying as a choice or something that may sometimes need to be done for someone's good or to protect someone, then you're going to be vulnerable to give in and to lie anytime. Um, notice as well that you, at what your heart meditates on and determines what will happen in the matter of honesty and truth. Look at chapter 12 and verse 20. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil. Deceitfulness, lying, dishonesty is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace is joy. So you've got you to gotta protect your heart in this matter, just as you did, by the way, with a froward or perverse lips. Um, chapter 12 and verse 19, notice this. The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Remind yourself of that next time. And, uh, and then uh, the, 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 the third, let's see. So understand God's thinking, develop right thinking. I knew I had three things. And then learn sin-changing actions. Look in Proverbs 12. Actually, this, there's like a compilation here in verses 17 to 20. And then look at verse 17 then. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. In Ephesians 4.25, God says, let every man put away lying. And then he tells you to speak the truth. You change your actions in this matter of lying, not only by changing your thinking and hating it and despising it and saying, I don't want anything to do with that, but you also change your actions by learning to speak the truth. And that's what he says in chapter 12 and verse 17. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness. And a false witness is going to deceive. It's going to lie. You get, you get the point? So look. It's a matter of learning sin-changing actions. It's learning to speak the truth all the time. Don't just change your thinking, but learn to speak the truth. And uh, you have to deal with the dishonesty, but you have to also learn to speak the truth all the time, every time. Uh, speak it lovingly, yes. Speak it in the right way, yes. Uh, speak it with the right attitude or in the right manner, yes. But you've got to learn to speak the truth. So... There you have two wrong kinds of speech and God's instructions in regard to those things. And we'll look at two others uh, as we have opportunity, two other um, that have numerous proverbs dealing with them the next time to meet together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and thank you that you tell us what's wrong. And not only do you tell us what's wrong, but in many cases, the proverbs tell, tell us how to correct it and what we need to do to change. And so I pray that, uh, that in these, this area of the froward or perverse, words that destroy people or lying, dishonesty, deceit, that these kind of, uh, of words and this kind of speech would be put away from our lives and that we would put on the right kind of language, the right kind of speech that builds, that is honest, is upright, is true. And may then, as a result, we find your blessing in life because this 
small member that boasteth great things is being brought into line with your word and what you'd have for us. And Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you control your time. You're dismissed.